weeks, we've been thinking about who we are as a people of God at Desert Spring. Last week, Pastor Dave reminded us all of the history of how God has worked so powerfully here over the last 25 years. Now today, I stand before you as your associate pastor, and I'm also the one that you've chosen to be the campus pastor of Desert Spring Northwest. And I know in my heart that I only stand here before you today because of God's grace. And it's the story of my heart and how God has worked in it during my time here at Desert Spring that I'd like to share with you uh, this morning. In this series, we've been talking about the why and the what for of it all. And my hope is that by the time we're done, um, that you will know the why and the what for of my passion for the people of the, of the Northwest. <clears throat> Excuse me. Sorry. <laughs> okay. So I want to talk with you today about Desert Spring Northwest. And I want to talk about what Desert Spring Northwest is and what Desert Spring Northwest isn't and about the next eight weeks leading up to our inaugural service on Christmas Eve. Christmas Eve. So to start off, Desert Spring Northwest is not a traditional church plant. And I'd like to say that again, Desert Spring Northwest is not a church plant in the traditional sense of the word. So you aren't sending me and a group of people off to launch a new and independent church. Desert Spring Northwest is always to be a part of the body of Desert Spring. This campus where we are today becomes Desert Spring Summerlin. And on Christmas Eve, we officially become one church worshiping at two locations. Now, many of you will remember that back in August, Pastor Dave and I went off on a sermon planning retreat. And you'll probably remember that that was the first time that he and I had ever done that together. Now, we came home with one six-month sermon plan for Desert Spring. And on January 6th, we're going to start a new series called Fulfilled. And on that Sunday, Pastor Dave will be preaching the first sermon of that series here at Desert Spring Summerlin. And I will be doing the same in Desert Spring Northwest because we are one church worshiping at two locations. Now, from day one, Desert Spring Northwest is going to be plugging newcomers into the existing ministries of our church. So they'll be plugged into things like Family Promise, Three Square, Spread the Word Nevada, Nevadans for the Common Good, etc. It's absolutely critical to remember as we start out that we all belong to one church. So I am not a member of Desert Spring Summerlin. I am not a member of Desert Spring Northwest. I am a member of Desert Spring, and I either worship at Desert Spring Summerlin on a regular basis, or I worship at Desert Spring Northwest, or maybe even I worship at both, because we are one church worshiping at two locations. And let's talk about location. I'd like to invite everyone to pull out the postcard that was in their bulletin this morning, and we're going to take a look at the map on the back. 
Okay, so that star is the location of Somerset Academy Sky Canyon. This is the school that we're going to be meeting in, and you can see that it sits at the intersection of North Chamber and Grand Teton Road. Now, Grand Teton is important because it is the dividing line between the master plan communities of Providence and Sky Canyon. So everything south of Grand Teton, that space between Grand Teton and the 215, that's Providence. There are 7,500 homes already in Providence. Everything north of Grand Teton is going to be Sky Canyon. They just began their second phase, and when that community is built out, there's going to be 9,000 homes. Okay? Now, I mapped from our parking lot to that star. It's 10 miles from Desert Spring Summerlin to Desert Spring Northwest, so we're about 15 miles north. And we have a picture of the school. We'll bring that up here. Okay, so this is Somerset Academy Sky Canyon. It's brand new. It's a 60,000 square foot of facility. It's K through eight. They have about 800 kids in attendance and they were full from day one. Now we're gonna be worshiping in their gymnasium slash auditorium. And I have a picture of that. There it is. So that's the stage. That wall up there disappears into a door. It actually goes back in quite a ways. You can see that they have a class going on back there. So that's gonna be our worship space. And we're also gonna have four classrooms. So we'll have nursery and Sunday school from day one out there at Desert Spring Northwest. Now our Christmas Eve service, we finally have a time for that. That's gonna be at 5 p.m. on Christmas Eve. <clears throat> and our church regular Sunday worship service is gonna be on January 6th. Now our service time out there is at 9 a.m. and the style of the service is gonna be contemporary just like our 11 o'clock service. And Jason is gonna be leading both. So at 10 o'clock when the service ends out there, he's gonna jump in his car and drive over here and lead the 11 o'clock service. So please pray for Jason. <clears throat> I'm glad we're going first. <laughs> um, we have eight more weeks until we launch and there are lots of opportunities to volunteer leading up to the launch. And then after the launch, we are gonna need volunteers for the first year of this plant. We have three volunteer meetings coming up. The first one is tomorrow night at seven o'clock. It runs until 8.30, and it's over here in room 1516 of the Children's Education Wing. There's two more coming up. The dates um, are in your Next Steps bulletin. It's important to remember, though, that you do not have to attend any of the volunteer meetings if you want to volunteer. We have a sign-up in the Connection Center. Um, just give me your name and your phone number, and I will contact you. If you are interested in volunteering though, sorry, my mic is making a lot of noise. If you're interested in volunteering though, um, it is helpful if you attend the meeting so we can group everyone together. Okay, so Desert Spring is a vital and growing church. We know this. And we know that we are vital and growing because of our culture. We are a people of hope. We are a people of trust. We are a people of joy. We are intentionally inclusive and diverse, and we are outward looking. Now, culture resides in the people. It is you that embody the culture. It is you that greet the newcomer. It is you that share the love of God with them and help them to come to know who we are as a people of God at Desert Spring. Now, in launching a second campus, what it is 
that we're trying to do is to take this vital culture that's here and to transfer it out there to another location. And what that means is that for a time, those that embody the culture have to be present long enough for it to transfer to the newcomers that show up. So back in October last year, 2017, we asked for those who were interested in being that core group of Desert Spring Northwest to come forward and to begin gathering people over the last year. That group has now grown to 40 people. Our goal when we launch worship is to have 100 in worship so we have the critical mass that's necessary for worship to be vital. So this means that we're going to need volunteers from Desert Springs Summerlin to come out and participate in worship until that 40 grows to 100 through newcomers joining the church. It's important to remember to think of Desert Spring Northwest over this next year serving out there as a way of participating directly in the missional outreach of Desert Spring. So I invite you to consider volunteering one Sunday a month to attend worship or to usher or to greet or to work in hospitality or in the Connection Center to help plug newcomers into the existing ministries of our church. We're also going to be setting up and tearing down the church every Sunday, so I ask you to consider volunteering to help with set up or tear down one Sunday a month. Okay, with that, I would like for, to invite you for all of us to turn our attention to the words of St. Paul and his letter to the people of the Church of Rome. Today's scripture reading begins with Romans 4, verses 16 and 17, and Romans 5, verses 1 through 5. For this reason, it depends on faith, in order that the promise may rest on grace and be guaranteed to all his descendants, not only to the adherents of the law, but also to those who share the faith of Abraham. For he is the father of all of us. As it is written, I have made you the father of many nations. In the presence of the God in whom he believed, who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. Therefore, since we are justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom we have obtained access to this grace in which we stand. And we boast in our hope of sharing the glory of God. And not only that, but we also boast in our suffering, knowing that suffering produces endurance. And endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not disappoint us, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. This has been the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. The Apostle Paul is second only to Jesus in his impact and influence on the Christian faith. Paul was an ambassador of Jesus Christ to the non-Jewish world. Paul's letters account for 13 of the 27 books of the New Testament. Paul's three missionary journeys consume half the book of Acts. 
Paul traveled thousands of miles across land and sea and suffered gravely to share the gospel. And ultimately, Paul became a martyr for his faith. Now, we first meet Paul in the seventh chapter of Acts, holding the coats of the Pharisees as they stoned Stephen, the first Christian martyr. The text tells us that Paul approved of his murder and that Paul began to ravage the church in Jerusalem and drag off followers of Jesus to prison. This caused the church to scatter, and Paul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of Jesus, as Acts puts it, followed them to the city of Damascus. And it was on that road to Damascus that Paul met the risen Lord. Now, as a Pharisee, Paul's entire life would have been devoted to God. In the third chapter of Philippians, Paul tells us in his own words that when it came to righteousness under the law, that he was blameless. And yet we can see that the fruit of his faith produced a heart that was as hard as a stone. Now, at the beginning of our time today, I told you that I wanted to share with you the story of my heart and how Desert Spring, how God has worked in it during my time here at Desert Spring, and how that shapes the why and the what for of my desire for Desert Spring Northwest. I grew up in a Christian home. I have been reading the Bible since I was old enough to read. As an adult, I regularly attended church, and I have always been a student of the Bible. I love to study God's word. And yet, there came a time in my life when I realized that my faith had not touched my heart at all. In fact, that it actually had the opposite effect. My faith had actually hardened my heart against others. Now, Jesus gives us an image of this in the 18th chapter of Luke, the story of the Pharisee and the tax collector. And I want to read that to you. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, was praying thus, God, <clears throat> I thank you that I am not like other people, thieves, rogues, adulterers, or even like that tax collector over there. I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of all of my income. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even look up to heaven, but was beating his breast and saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his home justified rather than the other. For all who exalt themselves will be humbled, but all who humble themselves will be exalted. In 2012, when I first came to Desert Spring, I had just begun standing in the shoes of the tax collector, beating my breast and grieving my life as a Pharisee and asking God for mercy. I came to realize that my life had become shaped by a deep and abiding cynicism. 
that my worldview had become frozen, that my life had become shaped by what and who it was that I was against. My opinions hardened. Nothing made it in. Nothing. And for those who didn't share my worldview or my opinions, they were to be judged. Now, Paul would have known the people that he was persecuting. He would have worshipped with them in the synagogue. He would have celebrated the feasts with them. The entire Jewish community in Jerusalem had to decide what to do with Jesus' teaching and with the power that he had demonstrated in their midst through the many miracles. Paul and the other religious leaders were impervious. Nothing made it in. Love your enemy, Jesus? That's ridiculous. That's not how the world works. And yes, we know the greatest commandment. It's in the book of Deuteronomy that you love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and you love your neighbor as you love yourself. But who is our neighbor? In the 10th chapter of Luke, we find a religious scholar asking Jesus that exact question, to which Jesus responds by telling the parable of the Good Samaritan. The Samaritans were a neighboring people that the Jews despised. Some of Paul's neighbors heard Jesus' teaching and accepted it and began to follow Jesus. They ceased being Paul's neighbors and became his enemy. Now, in our passage this morning, Paul talks about the hope that we have through the faith, faith in God who gives life to the dead and calls forth the things that do not exist. And Paul tells us that this hope does not disappoint us because God pours his love into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. Jesus did not meet Paul on that road to Damascus to crush and destroy him. Jesus met Paul on that road to Damascus to overwhelm him with love and forgiveness. God poured love into Paul's heart. God, God called forth the things in Paul's life that did not exist. Twenty years later, on Paul's third and final missionary um, journey, Paul wrote a letter to the church in Corinth. And I want to read to you what it is that uh, Paul had come to understand after 20 years as a missionary. This is from the 13th chapter of 1 Corinthians. Here are the words of St. Paul. If I speak in the tongues of mortals and of angels, but do not have love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and I understand all mysteries and all knowledge and I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give away all my possessions and I hand over my body so that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not envious or boastful 
or arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable. It doesn't rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became an adult, I put an end to childish ways. And now faith, hope, and love, these three abide. The greatest of these is love. Paul's life was forever changed by his experience of God's love on that Damascus road. God opened Paul's eyes to the reality of his heart. I can only imagine what it was like for Paul to remember the faces of those that he persecuted, to remember the death of Stephen, to remember the arrogant, boastful, blasphemous, hate-filled words that came out of his mouth. How he must have shuddered at these memories as he stood at the foot of the cross, overwhelmed by the mystery of God's love, the gospel, that Jesus, the Son of God, loved him enough that he would die even for him. Have you ever found yourself standing at the foot of the cross? Paul did, and I have too. And for the rest of Paul's life, every day, Paul would come to understand just a little bit more of the height and the length and the width and the breadth of God's love. Desert Spring, I am passionate about this church because it's here among you that I first experienced the life-changing love of the people of God. It's here among you that God called into existence the things that didn't exist in my life. Humility, kindness, gentleness. It's here among you that God poured love into my heart. It's here among you that God softened my heart. It's here among you that I began to believe that I was a beloved child of God. It's here among you that I found healing and regained a sense of hope and experienced the joy of my salvation. You made space for me. You welcomed me. You trusted me. You believed in me. You invited me to come and stand with you at the foot of the cross, basking in God's unfathomable, life-changing love. Paul traveled thousands of miles across land and sea to share the good news of God's love in Jesus Christ. He endured beatings. He himself was stoned and left for dead. He survived shipwrecks, hunger, hardship, toil, 
And we know why Paul did all of these things. Love. Desert Spring. There's only one reason why we are going to the Northwest. To share God's love with others. There's only one reason why you would choose to sit on a plastic chair in a basketball court one Sunday a month instead of in this beautiful sanctuary. Love. My passion for the people of the Northwest is to share God's life-changing love with them. And may it be so. Amen? Amen. Amen. Amen.